0: Welcome to Utilizing AI, a podcast about enterprise adoption of machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett from Gestalt IT. You can find me uh, writing at gestaltit.com, and you can find me on Twitter at S.Foskett.
1: And I'm Ray Lucchese. I'm a graybeard on Storage podcaster. I'm also a Ray on Storage blogger, and I'm at SilvertonConsulting.com. And my Twitter ID is at Ray Lucchese.
0: Thanks, Ray. Uh, it's honestly, it's really great to have you here because I think that in a way you embody the topic of uh, utilizing AI more than many of our guests. Because you know you've been involved in enterprise IT for a, a long time and you've seen a lot of different technologies come and go. And um, but yet, you know, one of the things that I always enjoy about your blog and about you know your uh, you know, your podcast and just talking to you generally is that you don't seem stuck in the past in terms of you know oh this is how it should be or this is how it was it always seems like you have an open mind about new technologies. And you know, you've been writing a lot about AI.
1: I try to like, you know, I've been following AI for now, gosh, 30, 40 plus years. I've been really interested in off and on (laughs) during the AI winters and AI summers and all that stuff. It's really emerged over the last decade or so as, as a solution in uh, pattern matching and that sort of thing that, that it never had before, so it 's kind of exciting from my perspective to see what it can and can 't do, and uh, I try to keep adept or try to keep up with the technology as it emerges
0: exactly and um, you know also, I think that that you know by being involved in enterprise tech for a long time you know you 've seen how, how it really is, and one of my concerns honestly about artificial intelligence, machine learning is that a lot of the pitches um, don't seem all that practical. You know, a lot of the, um, you know, the things that people are saying would require, you know, massive business model changes in terms, you know, you know, basically change, you know, transform your whole way of doing business and use AI to predict, you know, future growth and all this. I mean, it's really business end kind of things. But when we look at the IT space, I, I, my question is, do you see this technology coming to IT operations as well, or is it really a line of business technology?
1: I see it both. I mean, to, to a large extent, from a line of business perspective, uh, you know, depending on the application, depending on the environment that they have, if there's something that, that might benefit from a more accurate pattern recognition and that sort of stuff, AI could be a significant benefit. But, you know, Google and other organizations have shown that they can utilize AI to reduce power consumption, to reduce air cooling, to reduce those sorts of things. So there's the operational aspect as well to ai it's 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 harder i would say from an operational perspective it operations how would they utilize ai to be more effective but again you know it's a question of matching it's a pattern matching machine today if you can if you can define something that requires better pattern matching in ai in in it operations then this would be a natural for it
0: yeah and that to me is the the natural first application of this, and I think that's really where we're seeing it, things like um processing log files, I think it's just a total slam dunk right
1: yeah, because you've got you know you're looking for patterns out of out of logs to see what's going bad or what's what's in the process of going bad, you know if you're doing some preventive maintenance kinds of things, if you want to try to let's say you've got a thousand servers out there with you know 10,000 disks or something like that, you can utilize AI to try to ascertain which one of those disks is going bad and get, get rid of it or swap it out before it happens, um, before it fails and stuff like that. I think those are natural types of situations that you could use this for. But again, it's 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 what's a what's a reasonable pattern recognition application of the technology. If you can come up with something like that and you've got the data, I think AI is a natural solution. AI deep learning today, right?
0: yeah and, and I guess it depends on what you mean by ai right 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 um, but let's say deep learning and uh, you know machine learning um applications um certainly in storage, a lot of companies are uh using or claiming to use ai so let's talk about that um you know storage management you know you got things like the uh, infosight um, HPE's HPE's infosight yeah. and there's a number of other <laughs> generations of that across
1: a number of other vendors I think so if you look at ai if you look at infosight to a large extent. It cut its teeth on, on preventive maintenance of the solutions that it has. So it's trying to identify problems before they occur and have, you know, some activity or some action that a customer can take or service can take to make sure it doesn't affect their operations. Again, it's, 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 it's pure pattern recognition. So they're getting masses of amounts of data from every one of these systems out in the field. They've got this database out there. They can see when a problem actually does occur. And then I can try to feed that sort of uh, pattern information into a, into, into a deep learning model and, and go forward with it. And, you know, the, the, the challenge with AI is you have to continue to train it. It's not something you can train once and leave. You have to continue to train. It. So you're taking all this data in, every time it sees something new, you're gonna have to feed that back into it.
0: And and I think that that's one of those things that um, presents a lot of challenges on, uh, you know, sort of an operational basis, but also on a technical basis, because if you're going to continue to train it, then that means that you need hardware that is capable of doing the training. And I know that you've looked into that, like what it takes. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's,
1: you know, in this recent post I did on machine learning performance uh, and, you know, one of the the top players there was NVIDIA. They had uh, their latest DGXA100 solution there. And over 14, 1,400 GPUs running this mini-Go algorithm to learn Go to how to play Go at 50% effectivity. Not everybody's going to have that. Um, I, it's, 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 it can take a lot of time and effort to do this well, and the hardware requirements can be significant. Uh, it depends on the data, too. I mean... God, you know, I did a a mini AI algorithm. I did my blog post titles. I'm trying to figure out which one was more popular and why they're more popular and have some way of predicting popularity of blog posts based on titles. And I I can do it in a single GPU without too much of a problem. I've got, you know, I've got a couple more I can fire up to do other stuff. But, uh, you know, I've got less than a thousand blog posts, you know, so there's less than a thousand titles, maybe 10, 12 words each. It's not a lot of data. You know, customer... Infosight. every every solution out there every nimble storage system out there is is running literally thousands of data items every minute if not every second and they're sending that back to hpe and they're feeding you know it's it's a massive repository of data it's a perfect solution for ai but you know providing the hardware to run all that stuff through and, and try to is significant
0: yeah absolutely do you think that um, in the future, do you think that enterprise IT um, infrastructure, I mean, do you think the data center is gonna have like an AI corner that's sitting there running th- these applications? I
1: think that uh, absolutely. I mean, today, you know, you're starting to see the introduction of, of Dell servers that are focused on GPUs. Uh, VxRail has a GPU <laughs> configuration. There are a number of solutions out there that uh, are focused on, you know, providing computational technologies there that can be deployed for either video displays or or for uh, AI machine learning and once once you've got that so let's say I don't know you have a thousand person organization running VDI you probably got some servers out there with GPUs in there during the day devoted to this sort of you know to VDI sorts of solutions at night if that even exists for you because you might be worldwide fire up some AI stuff
0: well that's that's an interesting thought i was actually thinking of that when you were talking about the gpus because a lot of companies do currently have uh you know a lot of gpus for vdi applications and since it's absolutely similar technology really but it is exactly the same technology
1: i mean you know like i said i i we were talking before and i took my crypto mine which was three gpus and i converted it to an ai workstation because the crypto you know just wasn't there anymore
0: yeah yeah so uh it, it, do you think though that um, this is going to be something? I mean, you you talked about the twenty four seven. Is this going to outgrow the VDI footprint? Is this going to be something where you're going to have a whole other world of enterprise tech? Um, you know, just a whole other vertical. Um, that's I, the AI. Engine. There,
1: are, there are a number of. Um hardware-only solutions, Cerebus and, and Graphcore and those kinds of guys are creating special processing units strictly for neural network processing or, you know, deep learning kinds of things. Those things exist. I mean, uh, if you look at what N- NVIDIA did with their A100, it it's focused to a large extent on ne- machine learning workloads. I'm sure it can do GPU kinds of stuff, but it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's been touted as a as an ai workstation environment you know google has their tpu there's there's special hard hardware that's available it's very costly in my mind the service thing is the size of you know a 16 inch wafer or something like that and it's got 40,000 cores on the thing okay that can do that but you know it's a specialized solution and it depends a lot yeah, yeah absolutely a lot depends on the the amount of data you're working with and what you're trying to do. If it's if it's you know if it's a one-off or a two-off thing, you know, use the GPUs you've got in house and, and have at it. If it's if it's going to be something you're going to be doing thousands of data items from every solution you have in the field every second, then you need something a little bit more beefy to, to work with this stuff.
0: Well, that's you know it's interesting that you say that because you and I were both at the Intel Intel uh, Xeon scalable launch and. I don't know if you remember. I mean, one of the things that they talked about was basically deep using Xeon yeah, as yeah. a deep learning platform. Uh, they, they have, uh, Intel is honestly, well, my, my feeling is that they, they went in the wrong direction initially by trying to make um, CPUs with just massive size, you know, vector calculators, you know, AVX512, and, right. and then they totally like went the other way and they realized, oh, wait, what do you mean? You only want 8-bit? We can do 8-bit. And yeah. suddenly, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, the new new which is, you know, low resolution, you know, they, have, the,
1: they have their own deep learning um, library that they've supplied, which is, uh, you know, lower resolution than 32 and 64 bit floating point and, and uh, can it do the job. I think it can I it doesn't seem like 64 bit resolution is required for most AI opportunities and and, and 16 is probably adequate and eight, eight might work and yeah. uh, in fact, this last blog post I wrote on machine learning performance, this was solutions that were learning um, mini, you know, mini Go, how to play Go and stuff like that. And, and Intel Xeon system, Copper Lake 6 or something like that, came in like number six or seven on the list. 14,000, not 14,000, 1,400 A100 GPUs was first. These guys, so that was like, it took 20 seconds to do this t- and, and there was eight copper lake servers with maybe four cpus each or or, or, you know cores each or something like that and it took like 500 seconds so you can do it it's not it's not impossible
0: but that that was their pitch was um and and i remember at the time we were all kind of like scratching our heads like are you kidding me you can't compete with gpus but their pitch was um xeon may not be able to compete with gpus but xeon can compete with no gpus in other words If yeah. you're not gonna buy GPUs, yeah. then yeah. the Xeon can take on a lot of that workload. You know, you can kind of repurpose your virtual infrastructure or your cloud, you know, your onboard, you know, on-premises cloud um, to do the deep learning calculations. And then you don't have to buy those GPUs.
1: Yeah, And, yeah,
0: and to yeah. me, that was like, oh, I get what you guys are saying. You're not trying it's to a- say <laughs> that Xeon is gonna beat the A100. You're trying right. to say that, that not having the A100 is a viable alternative.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to do, you have to use their library. You have to do some conversion activity of your model, but they claim it's all, you know, TensorFlow uh, compatible. And if, if that's the case, then you can do it. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, honestly, I think that, um, like you said, I mean, as well, maybe it's not as fast, but maybe that's a way that companies might not need to have, cause I'm just imagining this, this, I mean, Like, my my background in data center comes from when there used to be lots of verticals in the data center. Like, there was the telecom rack, there was the, you know, the finance rack, there was the HR rack, there was the, you know, manufacturing rack, and all these kind of different things. Everybody had their own vertically integrated stack of equipment. And Mm -hmm. then we kind of virtualized and commoditized the data center with VMware, and, um, and, and everybody could share this, well, more applications could share the same equipment. But I'm just thinking like, OK, well, if it needs GPUs, then that's a specialized piece of hardware. That means we're going to not be able to commoditize that.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, you know, obviously there are more than just NVIDIA in the GPU game. And, and uh, that's that's a solution. Uh, a lot of these uh, a lot of these environments do VDI have GPUs. They're just not maybe using them all all day long. Depends on the size of the organization, that sort of thing. So that's an option, and and if you want, you can use you know Xeon C- CPUs to do it with the proper libraries and all that stuff. It's another step. It's not a big deal from my perspective to to make that conversion. I haven't tried that logic, but it's not saying I couldn't do it.
0: Well, then the, then the other thing though is that you know Intel, um, yeah, they they maybe got caught a little bit on the back foot when it came to uh, you know the GPU dominance of of deep learning, but um, there are no fools. And they've been working really hard. And in fact, they just in August um, announced a whole range of, um, you know, sort of GPGPU platforms that they can now produce. They'll be rolling those out. Like I said, they've got new instructions in the Xeon. Um, I do think that this is something that maybe is going to be part of the future data center.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's 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 surprising to me how many things that we do on a daily basis that pattern matching can help. It's just it's just yep. and that's what this was. That's what this deep learning stuff does for us. It's just this fine tuned pattern matching that that uh, you can fire up without uh, really that much effort. I think the biggest challenge is getting the data right, quite frankly.
0: Well, exactly. And let's talk about that. So, I mean, you know, you're your old school storage guy like me. Um, this is a really weird data set, right? It's huge and it needs high performance occasionally at various spots. Yeah, and it needs yeah. to be able to like dump a massive amount of data in here and then take that out and dump a different set of data in there. I mean, it's just a really weird storage application.
1: So so during the training opportunity, you're 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 feeding all this data into this model. The model is making computational changes to its network and and then you're doing it again and you're 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 probably feeding it in anywhere from 20 to 100 times the same data randomized <laughs> and you know it's it's to some extent it's sequential but it's not you know it, it's it's small picture files or small text images or or in the case of info site it's probably you know large status dumps from a, from a storage system or something like that and uh yeah it's it it is a lot of data but it's not like the old day where we're processing, we're updating, we're you know, this OLTP you know paradigm. No, that's not it. This is more like give me give me a bunch of small files as fast as you possibly can while I'm training, then I don't want to talk to you again <laughs> until the next time we do a training run, you know, to a large extent, because now it's all inferencing. And yeah, maybe I'll record what happened in my inferencing activities and stuff, but
0: it, it is it's just such a weird application because we've I don't, I, is there any application in the data center that you can think of that we that has been like this i mean i guess uh, you know maybe a data lake yeah yeah big data types of
1: things uh, data you know batch processing of old nah not really to, to a large extent it was input and output kinds of stuff but uh this is input many times right over and over again randomized and then you you're actually, the output is this model, this, this set of weights associated with a neural net that you're creating.
0: Um, well, one of, the, one of the things, too, is that um, there's been a big demand for sort of snapshotting the data set along with the, the model. Because basically, you know, you're, you're doing this training and then you need to be able to save that data set so that you can do the same training with the same data set again. Absolutely. If you should change the model or if maybe you yeah. just need to go back and look.
1: Right, you want to snapshot the model. You have to save the model. You have to save the data with the model so you yeah. can, if you have a compliance problem with the model, it's not properly doing something or it's biased or something like that. You want to be able to go back to the data and see why it got to that point. And if you're going to do any inferencing with the model, you have to save the model in any fashion. You have to, have to save it in some form that you can run the, an inferencing engine on. TensorFlow has got this thing called uh, TF Lite, it's Google obviously. And, and effectively what they're, what they're doing is you can take a model Trained on TensorFlow, and converted into a TF Lite model that you can run on a Raspberry Pi, or an Android, or you know what Arduino if you want something like that. So, this is for IoT applications and stuff. But sooner or later, you have to take the model, that inferencing engine, and deploy it someplace.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's I think what we're going to start seeing is uh, as this technology makes more waves. Um, you know, we're going to start seeing special purpose um, you know, uh, you, so special purpose processing units. I mean, Apple is building those into their A series CPU. Right, I, right. I definitely think that that we're, we're going to see that. But, you know, that doesn't need to be heavy, like you're pointing out. Like it can run. I mean, absolutely. I've actually run st- stuff like that for Home Assistant on the Rab- Raspberry Pi yeah, um, exactly. to do, you know, like pattern recognition, like is it a bicycle? Is it a man? You know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. A- and it works. Um, right. Right. Even on that little low powered ARM CPU because the model was already created, right? Yeah,
1: the hard hard lifting is all done during the model training and stuff like that. After that, it's a pretty straightforward process.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we're starting to hear as well, um, you know, a lot of the storage companies talking about um, how they're gonna leverage their products in this AI space. I know that, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, I've heard that from Pure Storage. I've heard that from, uh, you know, VMware with the, you know, v and stuff yeah with vsan you know I, I certainly have heard that from Dell um, do you buy it? do you buy it that we need special purpose storage systems
1: i don 't think you need special purpose storage systems i mean these are you know, to a large extent these are file systems this is file system based data and you know Pure FlashBlade, sure. Would you use that as, as a, you know, as a, as an input or you know some place to gather the data and, and supply it to a, to an AI engine? Sure, why not? Uh, you could use Cumulo. You could use S3. You could use just about anything that, that can support objects or files. Uh, you know, the big question and a lot of the a lot of the, the storage stuff that I've written in the past about AI is, you know, you want to keep that expensive hardware, GPU, Cerebus, GraphCore, whatever, busy. In order to do that, you have to feed it data all the time. Those sorts of things might require, you know, more enterprise grade types of
0: uh, storage services and stuff like that. But can you do it without? I think so. Well, I feel like some of these companies kind of lucked out, you know, for the longest time we've had these object stores.
1: um, They were kind of like,
0: like a solution looking for a problem. And I remember when Pure introduced FlashBlade, a lot of us were scratching our heads like, okay, that's awesome. But what's it for? Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly AI comes along and is like, you know, I need all your file and object and Pure is like, ooh, 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 right here, right here, we got that. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah. It's an and, interesting, it was an interesting play for them. And uh, it certainly made a good fit from that perspective. Yeah. And are there other solutions out there that could do this sort of thing? Absolutely. It's, it's you know, it's, a, it's obviously a unique architecture and it's got advantages from that perspective. But, you know, scale out files has existed for years
0: oh yeah absolutely you look at um like we said you know you look at cumulo you look at power scale um you know these are these systems are really you know solid as well and uh you know and i do think that they're going to be seeing some uptake in this new ai world
1: yeah if not already absolutely
0: well thanks a lot Ray. you know it's been great to talk to you great to catch up um you know i always enjoy listening to graybeards on storage because like i said i mean you guys you know you've got a lot of experience but you're not stuck in the past it's not like you're like you know my ibm invented everything and the mainframe's all you know i mean you're, you know you're like oh hey show me the new stuff i'd like to see the new stuff
1: yeah we like to try to understand what's going on in the new space and stuff like that and lately we've been we've been on sort of a new technology trend in the in the podcast uh, we'll go back to normal someday we'll see we don't have to um that's it's, right it's it's it's, it's uh, you know the technology is changing so rapidly it's it's amazing those of you listening,
0: thank you very much for joining us as well. Please do subscribe to the Utilizing AI podcast where we have conversations like this with uh, you know, folks like Ray all the time. So Ray, uh, once again, can you remind us where can we find uh, content from yours on the topic of AI? So
1: I do a lot of AI writing and rayonstorage.com blog. And, and I, again, I'm a Graybeard on storage podcaster. And occasionally we talk about AI storage concerns there as well. And thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Great, thank you very much. Um, those of you listening, um, please do subscribe, uh, rate and review us on iTunes since that uh, I know everybody says it really does help us, but it really, really does help us, uh, you know, get get listeners. Uh, we would be glad to have you. And uh, you can find more content like this as well at uh, gestaltit.com.